You're listening to the most authentic place in sports. It's the Sports Headline Show. Here are your hosts, Sean Davis and Warner Sanker. Welcome back, everybody. I beat you to it this episode. You weren't stealing it from me. Uh, Sean Davis, Warner Sanker, we are revealing the number 25th ranked team in our NFL preseason power rankings, the Chicago Bears. Da Bears. Da Bears. As Sean stated, we're breaking down the Bears and their roster here. Um, and to our calculations, approximately the 25th best roster um, in the league from head coach all the way down to punter and kicker. Um, so let's uh, let's get into let's get into some highlights. Their 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 top position groups, the highlights that you're looking forward to this year. The strengths and weaknesses. So I guess we can start with the strengths. Uh, Cleo Mack. That that's probably the biggest strength. He had this one. Otherwise, I would have questioned your. Yeah. Um. He almost gets like he's it's crazy. It's almost like he's underrated nowadays. Like when you say like the best, like the first edge rusher, maybe the top two edge rushers you think of when you say like who's the best edge rusher, like who's the best pass rusher off the edge in the league. You, somebody's they're gonna say TJ Watt. Next they're gonna say probably Miles Garrett, recency bias. And then they're gonna say one of the Bosa brothers. I'm like, uh, okay, Khalil Mack, he still exists, right? I've I've seen and heard some lists where Demarcus Lawrence is ahead of Khalil Mack, and that that just grinds my everlasting nerve because he got one X factor in Madden for a few weeks, and now everyone thinks he's some top tier. <laughs> it wasn't there that long. They actually took it away pretty quickly. <laughs> um, so I, I completely agree with you. I think one of my strengths uh, for this team is actually the running back room. Uh, they have obviously David Montgomery, who's projected to be the number one, but then they signed Damian Williams, and they still have the, the kind of tool back of Tariq Cohen. I think that uh, the best way to either have a game manager produce for you or bring a young rookie quarterback into the league is by having a strong running attack and also running backs that can contribute both in the run game and the pass game. And yeah. I think that, that's what they got there loaded for. Yeah, and uh, this is kind of a weird final one, but a future at quarterback. Um, you, you bring in Justin Fields, because you look at this roster, it's not like any real other like glaring positives that they have on, or like, there's some positives, so there's not any glaring strengths, really. I mean, Allen Robinson, yeah, but you see with their wide receiver room, they're not incredibly ranked high, but like, you have some potential and future at quarterback, and they they made some boss moves in this draft. I, I agree. They had a really nice draft, especially in the early rounds, but, and, and with the with the Khalil Mack thing, that that's Khalil Mack at all. The, the, the defensive line, um, is is what we mean. It's headlined by Khalil Mack, but you also have Keaton Hicks, uh, Robert Quinn. You've got some really Eddie Goldman on the line. You've got some good line play uh, here, and not not to mention the, the linebackers are, are still solid with Trevathan and uh, Roquan Smith um, on the inside. So they've got a solid front seven, but um, in today's NFL, the front seven can only take you so far. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll break down the rest of their secondary um, later on in the video. But, yes, you want to have a strong pass rush. But if you have no secondary help, 
what does it really matter? So uh, we'll, we'll get into all that. What, what would you say is their primary weakness though here? Primary weakness. Aside from coaching. Uh, that's the thing. Do they have a real big weakness? There's some question marks for sure. Quarterback's a question mark, especially for this year. The yeah. offensive line's a question Justin mark. By no means set in stone. Like Ch- Trevor right. Lawrence, it, we're not going to see very many Joe Burrows. Let's just say that. Trevor Lawrence isn't even set in stone himself because he is a rookie quarterback coming from uh, you know, a really talented school that beat up on lesser opponents in the ACC. Now, he did come up big in big moments. He played in many, many college football playoff games against really, really good teams. But while he may be a near-perfect prospect coming out, he is not set in stone to be at least a starting NFL quarterback. He could still be a bust. And, and Justin Fields is just that times a few. Um, pretty much every analyst has noted at least one problem with Justin Fields that is is a cause for concern. And uh, while some people are higher, some people are lower, he's still a rookie quarterback. And you have no other upside in that quarterback room because, let's face it, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles aren't getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, I want it's kind of funny. There's no real weakness on this team, but there's no real, like, apparent uh, strength either outside of, you know, having still a top five edge rusher. It, and that feels like you're kind of lowballing them still, right? Because really quickly, and I'll, I'll save it for later. Um, let's get into some of the, the key additions and departures. Um, they did lose the legendary Chuck Pagano, the defensive coordinator. Rallied the Colts back in two years ago. Yeah. Uh, they did lose the GOAT, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, <laughs> the MVP. Right. You, right. He'll always be the first. I mean, like, no. Tom Brady might have seven rings. But Aaron Rodgers has three MVPs. Mahomes is has a $500 million contract. Right, but guess what? Mitchell Trubisky has the only MVP, or at least the first MVP ever. So, And I think that means more than everything else. Um, they, they, I think one, one kind of weakness is their offensive line, specifically their tackle play, and that's mainly because Charles Leno left in the free agency as well. Along with Last need to. Yep. So, um, I think that'll hurt. And then Kyle Fuller, he's, he's just a solid corner. And um, we'll, yeah, we'll get, get to who they replaced him with, but that's another pretty key departure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you do lose those guys. You also lose Roy Robertson Harris and Brett Urban. So, I mean, it is what it is. And then you, in key additions, you bring in Sean Desai uh, to be your defensive coordinator. You bring in Andy Dalton. You bring in Justin Fields. Uh, you have Tevin, you draft Tevin Jenkins, which was, if not the steal of the drafts, one of the biggest boss moves and steals in the draft. It was an incredible pick. Um, you get Eddie Goldman back from, uh, he opted out, I believe, last season. And then Desmond Trufant, you bring in as well. Um, so, well, anything else before we get into the position-by-position uh, position breakdown? No, you know, I, I feel like they did a really good job um, at least attempting to have a solid offense for years to come. They got an anchor tackle, and they also got what they hope to be their franchise quarterback, and I think that's key. Uh, and then Dalton is, you know, he was at his in his prime 
debatably top 15, uh, probably closer to that 15 to 17 range. Um, and while I know all these Bengals fans want him to be an MVP candidate and a top 10 quarterback at one time, he simply wasn't that. But one thing he was always good at was being able to play above average football in the regular season. And if this Bears team can get that with him mentoring Justin Fields, it's it's going to be wonderful so long Matt Nagy um, does not blow it up. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to, this, to the first position uh, breakdown, which has, if not the most question marks, definitely one of the most question marks uh, that any team in the league well, at least for this Bears team anyway. So this quarterback room is going to come in and, um, excuse me, this quarterback room is going to come in and rank 28th in the league. Uh, Andy Dalton, uh, Justin Fields, Nick Foles round out the quarterback room. The only quarterback room you could probably say that's three guys that if something happened, you could def- you would probably be fine with it. They had to start a game for you. There's not a huge drop off between starter and third string. Yeah. yeah. Um the thing is Dalton's probably the starter. Uh he's definitely he should be the starter over Nick Foles. 100% he's a good starter. Yeah. Um and mainly because he gives you probably the the highest floor of the three quarterbacks. Nick Foles is kind of Jameis Winston-esque where he'll give you a 400-yard, four-touchdown game, and then he'll go out and have four picks. And, and he like, won't be able to move the ball. He's throwing balls into traffic. He'll throw a right. few picks and have maybe 130 yards passing. Right. So, like, in, in Fields is a rookie. So, you know, you're, unless you're Herbert or Joe Burrow or Andrew Luck, I mean, it's no guarantee. And these guys the, are anomalies. <laughs> they're, not, they're not the norm. Yeah. Right. So like these are freak guys, like the they're freaks, right? So unless you're unless Justin Fields wakes up and decides he's Justin Herbert, right? We're likely not gonna get that. So Andy Dalton probably gives him the highest floor, and Justin Fields arguably gives him the highest ceiling, but I would argue maybe not even for year one, right? We're not in training camp, we're not seeing how he interacts with some of his guys. Right, but you know, just you know, from what we've seen, out Dalton probably gives him the highest ceiling, the highest floor for this year, for sure, the highest floor. Um, the lack of physical traits, like the arm talent, has definitely fallen off. And, and um, he was—he wasn't like an unathletic quarterback either. He could run a little bit back in his prime, and well, he's not prime any Dalton anymore, and so that's that's going to be hampered as well. Yeah, um, it's not like he had this. He wasn't like this cerebral Tom Brady esque with the mental side of the game either, which is why you know he's kind of been bouncing from place to place for the past couple of years. But again, you know he's a stable ish guy, right? Um, top forty quarterback, right? Top there. He's just he's a starter in the league. Um, like I, I'd say forty personally, but. Uh, he's a starting-ish caliber quarterback. I have to put the ish by everything. Um, but, I mean, yeah. Uh, maybe he just looked dead last year. Maybe it's the system with Mike McCarthy and them pretty much just leaving him to die last year. Was it the, was it the Washington game where he just gets blasted? Yeah, he smacked by Boston. Like, he just gets blasted 
and literally nobody he could have died and nobody would have cared <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's that's not fun ever so Warner what are your thoughts on this quarterback room yeah I think pretty much everything you said was was spot on um Dalton definitely has the highest floor and he's going to be the starter week one unless uh you know some anomaly anomaly happens where Justin Fields just goes off and all the guys love he fields and and he starts to kind of take over the locker room. But still, I see Andy Dalton being the week one starter, and I see him keeping the Bears in some games. He's the, the plan right now for the Bears to win is run the ball, Allen Robinson, and let the defense work. Uh, and and once that once that starts to kind of less effective and Justin Fields starts to perform well in practice and the pressure from the fans and the media starts getting up there, the Bears aren't really winning. Um, then that's when they kind of throw in Justin Fields and say, hey, listen, you've had six weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks um, of, of practices, of being an NFL guy. You've gone through a full offseason that some guys didn't have last year. You've had your full offseason. You've had this many weeks. You've had coaching from Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, who is a Super Bowl champion. champion. Uh, so he'll at least have a few good things to say. Um and, and, and they'll throw him in. And if he performs really well, the Bears have their franchise guy, uh, at least for the time being. Now, we saw Baker Mayfield, say, perform very well and then kind of have a sophomore year slump. Now, Fields and Mayfield are not very similar in terms of prospects. I think Fields has a much higher ceiling than Mayfield does. But they're still young guys in the league, and I think they're, they're comparable in, to, in sort of the curve they're going to take in their career. And uh, with all that being said, I see Andy Dalton being the guy for a good six to 12 weeks. And I think Justin Fields takes over and, um, you know, we'll see how it turns out. I think this is also a make or break year for Nagy. If Fields does not perform well at all and the offense cannot get going, I think Nagy's out the door. Um, he's, he's had his excuses. He's had his time to prove um, how good of a coach he can be. And, and if, he, if he can't prove how good of a coach he is, I think the excuses are out. You had Mitchell Trubisky. I think Justin Fields is 100% going to be better than Mitchell Trubisky, <laughs> even as a processor. Um, you've got Andy Dalton, who's definitely a better at securing the ball than Trubisky is. Um, so the excuses are done for Nagy. And, and if he can't get this quarterback room to play well, then I think he's gone. Yeah, and um, w- one thing just to touch on that, Unless the Bears are like eight and two, like this is very unrealistic. But like, unless the Bears are somehow like eight and two or something, I'd be severely surprised if we don't see Justin Fields. And you kind of alluded to it. Matt Nagy is coaching for his job right now. And if he doesn't show in those last six to 10 weeks of the season, because I think we all expect at some point whether it's by a doctor injuring Andy Dalton, uh, like puncturing his lung or something like they did to Tyrod Taylor, poor Tyrod Taylor. Whether, or, 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 or if it's hard hitting safety comes in and knocks his head off again. And, and, and the team just leaves him there to die. Or, or he just has an ankle sprain in practice and like, you know what, sit this one out. Uh, sit this one out. We don't want to further injure you. And uh, we also want to see what this guy, Justin Fields, who we drafted in the first round, traded up for. Uh, is going to show up. So. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we all expect, I think if you were to ask any analyst, credible or not, like they can be 
the most qual like they can be at the highest position like Fox Sports or ESPN or whatever, but be dumb oh, yeah, as heck. Yeah, really, really a high position. Really, yeah, it's, it's, they really know what they're talking about there. They they can be idiots and like not know what they're talking about, but be at one of those bigger companies. My bad, not not like big name, but like be at a bigger company, but be idiots. They would probably tell you that Justin Fields is gonna play at some point this season because if he performs well and like Nagy actually contributes to him playing well, like coaching up, making things simpler for Justin Fields, Nagy will probably keep his job. But if things go south very quickly. Justin, I mean, not not Justin Fields. Matt Nagy is definitely going to be gone coming next season. Uh, this is this is definitely not an uh, an Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love situation, or an Alex Smith, Patty Mahomes situation, where you just sit the guy for a year, he doesn't touch the field. And I know Mahomes played Week 17, but you just sit him for a year, he doesn't touch the field. He's basically a pros- uh, um, a practice squad guy who just is is in the in the QB's ear. Who's falling around everywhere? Who's learning? Who's uh, you know taking reps in practice, and um, and 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 gonna take over in, in the next year and years uh, in the future? But Fields is definitely gonna see field time this year, um, and and I I projected being somewhere between again that week six to week twelve stretch is where he'll first see he'll see his first start. Yeah. So. That's the quarterback room. We spent a lot of time talking about that. So let's move on to this running back room, which as a room in a, as a whole will come in and rank 12th. Um, you know, you do have David Montgomery, who really broke out this year with the absence of Tariq Cohen. Uh, I believe Warner did a film breakdown on David Montgomery. Uh, he bo- it's still up, though, because YouTube's a jerk. Yeah, YouTube can, yeah, screw YouTube. But anyway, uh, David Montgomery really performed well last year. And then you're adding back kind of the jack of all tricks, the more, you know, like. Hunter returner, kick returner, slot receiver, right. special teams guy. Probably could split out wide, backflip champion Tariq Cohen. Right, and then you add him back and then, uh, crap. Bring in Damian Williams. Yeah, d- Yes. Um, and then you got him as well. Um, he missed, Tariq Cohen missed pretty much all of last season uh, when he tore his ACL. Um, they don't know if he'll be available yet for week one, but he's definitely going to be back at some point. And I mean, the last, I mean, like look at 2019, 16 games. He's not like a full, he, right? He's, he's more of that like, gimmicky running back slot receiver kind of guy. He's not getting 220 carries a year and racking up but the he's yards. But right? he's still going to be a contributor. Yeah, so he'll, he'll catch 60 to 80 passes and, and run the ball about 100 times and, and still rack up yards. Yeah, 2018, perfect example, Warner. He had almost 1,200 yards from scrimmage. He had 444 yards on 99 carries, three touchdowns, and he had 70, 71 catches. For 724 yards, 725 yards and five touchdowns on 91 targets. So I am so good at approximating players' values. I do not have, believe me, I don't have the stats in front of me at all. That was just a, that was just a dart throw, and I think I hit the bullseye. Yeah, yeah. Credit to you. Um, and he's been pre- he's been pretty much healthy throughout his career until, unfortunately, tore his ACL last year. 
right? But when you have David Montgomery, that makes it so much easier. Um, and actually, if you go like pro football reference, Tariq Cohen, I guess it's like his nickname or whatever, in parentheses after his actual name, it goes the human joystick or a chicken salad. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, that, wheels or burners, the human joystick, chicken salad. Right. Yeah, like how, how we maybe, go from maybe that. It's a, maybe it's a big bowl of chicken salad before every game. Yeah, how we go from a uh, from the uh, human joystick to chicken salad? That was a little. I bet he tore his ACL because he forgot the the dressing. That's what it was. Maybe that's what it was. But yeah. even then, when you go to David Montgomery, um, he he had a thousand yards rushing last year, ten thousand uh, seventy yards, eight touchdowns, uh, over four yards a carry, and then he had four hundred plus receiving yards on fifty four receptions last year. He's so like, you're man he's gonna pound the rock and he's gonna make guys miss and he's gonna make plays for you and and that's what every team wants in their backfield yeah so i mean just at the backfield as a whole then you add in williams I, I give this running back room credit and this running back room is one of the few running back rooms i mean probably along with maybe minnesota and new orleans where their running backs are like they, they will die without their it will be a struggle. Like, like even like and, and even take a look at the quarterbacks that they have. You've got Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton, which are Cousins is obviously better, but similar skill set wise quarterbacks. And then either Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill for the Saints, which is not definitely not a, a solid QB position. So these teams are gonna need the running game. And I think the Bears will set them up set themselves up well in terms of depth um with with that signing of Williams. Yeah, and then, I mean. <laughs> should have been the Super Bowl MVP. He should have been. <laughs> but they wanted to give it to Mahomes. Should have been the Super Bowl MVP. Oh, Damian Williams. Yeah, Damian Williams. Should've oh, yeah, been. and he, he was freaking incredible he in that Super Bowl game. in that game. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I mean, that, that just shows you it's a quarterback league. So, yeah, that that's really unfortunate for Damian Williams. So uh, he, he 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 opted out. Did he opt out last year? or Was he hurt? I believe he got injured. Oh, okay. Sure. I think he opted out. Like there's nothing from last year. Or maybe he did get hurt. You're probably right. I don't know, but he's 29 years old, so he's about to reach that vaunted age 30 for um, running backs. And so we'll, we'll see how he plays. But with him being – Chiefs placed Damian – sorry, cut you off. Chiefs placed Damian Williams on IR slash opt-out list. Okay, so he opted out. Yeah. He said, I got my ring. Uh, I got robbed of MVP, so I'll dip. That, that, that's what he said. <laughs> yeah, um, I got – the running group, uh, the running back room is strong, but the real star on the offense here comes with the receiver. Yeah, even though they're going to rank pretty low, they're going to rank. Um, excuse me, they're going to rank twenty eighth again for this receiver room. But, but, my God, is Allen Robinson good? He's so good. He's so good. They franchised him. He's going to be gone after this year. Like, unless he develops a strong, strong bond with Fields, but I think he's pretty much gone. Um, but 
listen, you got you got Allen Robinson there. You can have lesser guys down in the rest of the the rest of two, three, four, five receivers uh, because Allen Robinson is just going to command that so much attention, and he's still going to produce with the two, three guys paying attention. Yeah, he's maybe the most underrated, and I'm a Chargers fan, so I constantly see how much crap Keenan Allen gets for absolutely no reason. But Allen Robinson might be the most criminally underrated receiver in the league. His route running ability to get open and separate from the defenders, you throw a ball his way, he's going to catch it. Yeah, he's had uh, a 1,000-plus yards the past two seasons, Nearly 100 catches. He had 98, uh, 2019, 102 this year for over 1,000 yards both seasons. And his quarterback was freaking Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles. So, yeah, that's uh, – if if you don't think that's difficult, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, like, yeesh. Let's let's give him some credit. Um, he, he's, he was just phenomenal – all year long, you know, he's all reliable. I actually kind of, I really hope that he does come back because I think that, you know, with him and, you know, and uh, Justin Fields, I think they could create a connection similar to the one Fields had with Chris Olave. They were, they're so similar for his career. Huge for Justin Fields' career. And again, not trying to draw back to the Herbert, because again, Herbert and Fields couldn't be polar opposites in terms of prospects, right? But I mean, look at Herbert. He has Keenan Allen, who's that get open route runner separator that's going to get open almost no matter what. And Robinson. Like Herbert and Fields are kind of close, actually. Both had processing questions, decision making questions coming out of college. Both have great arms, both are pretty athletic now. Herbert's arm is better, but Fields is more athletic. So they have different skill sets. But for Fair. any rookie quarterback coming into the league, high high draft pick or not, a number one target that's going to consistently get open and make plays for you is huge. And catch the ball, more importantly. Yes, <laughs> yes. You do not want to have MVS who's always open but never catches the ball. Right. So, yeah, you can't this forget to catch the ball part. so much. Yeah. So again, and he's only been a one Pro Bowl, which was in 2015, which Snug. is criminal. Snug. Listen, right, he's right. had subpar quarterback play his whole career. He's been with Jacksonville and then the Bears. <laughs> Do you know how Blake Bortles? And, <laughs> and and also, I believe he's had two ACL injuries as well in his career. Um, I, one of them might have been in college, but I know he had one with Jacksonville. And I believe he had a second as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then you add in, like, the contributions, again, if a Tariq Cohen is healthy, um, like, if he's healthy, and then, uh, you know, if uh, – what David Montgomery brings to the table as well. And the rest of this receiving room is – yeah, there is some major, major question marks throughout the rest of this wide receiver room. I don't don't mind myself some Darnell Mooney, man. He he can get open. He can can get open and he make plays. Now, he had some – Huge drops last year. Was it the uh, NFC? Was it the Saints game where I think Mitchell Trubisky threw a dot? It might have been Mooney or it might have been Anthony Miller. I think it was Mooney think it though. Was Mooney. And he it threw was a, a trick play and he dropped it. He was wide yeah. open. Yep. No, I think he caught it. And there, so me, there was one he caught on a beautiful toe tap, I believe, and then he dropped the wide open trick play in the end zone. Maybe uh, that was it. 
Uh, let, let, let me see. That's, that's uh, a perfect example of his upside versus not catching the ball. Uh, you can be as open as you want, but if no, you have that was Javon, that was Javon Wims. He that was Javon Wims, right? But he, I mean, he's not a terrible receiver in his own right. Now he's not going to be Mooney or or Allen Robinson or even Darnell Mooney, but he's still going to be able to make some plays. They brought in Demir Bird, who was a speedster from New England, um, who can contribute. And then Jimmy Graham uh, made that ridiculous one-hand walk-off catch that he just didn't want to make at all with Green Bay. Um, and, you know, he'll, he'll, give you, he'll give you some decent production from the tight end spot, too. Um, you've got Cole Komet behind him, who they drafted way, 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 way up in the draft last year. And then uh, who could forget Jake Butt? Just let's just revel in Jake Butt. Yeah, and, and going back to Darnell Mooney, uh, watch out for him to potentially, you know, be on the be on the rise this year, and be if he can develop into being the legit number two uh, wide receiver, which I think they're setting him up to be with the trade of Anthony Miller to the Texans. Um, it seems like they're setting it up to be that way. But one of the things, you know, it's just one clip, and I kind of want to show it, but I think, you know, with it coming from YouTube, it's going to be a little messed up. But his body control is a clip. He was guard, He was being guarded by uh, Jalen Ramsey, and he put the moves on Jalen Ramsey. His, yeah, I think you're, you're about to search it. Yeah, yeah, you'll see what I'm talking about. Just search, like, Darnell Mooney on Jalen Ramsey. And yep. his body. It's actually one of Google's suggested searches. That's, <laughs> well, that's how you know he, he, his but, body control, and I think it, I think it was just a bad pass. I think Nick Foles like slightly he overthrew that ball, but surprised. yeah, wouldn't be surprised. His body control and the way he like just so centered to the to the ground. If you get what I'm saying, right? Uh, his low rel- center gravity can move any way. I I got what you mean. His body control. Now again, uh, the production wasn't completely there. It was that double there. move, wasn't it? I remember what yes. you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh my god. So, yeah. Yeah. Nick Foles missed the throw because he had Rams defenders because Aaron Donald and that pass rush was so good. He had defenders in his face, but yeah, he he got Ramsey to bite and he bit hard. He was wide open. That was an easy touchdown. Oh my gosh. Uh, being a uh, he was a fifth round pick out of Tulane last year. Uh, for for a rookie, six hundred six hundred yards, a little over six hundred yards, four touchdowns. Expect him and you know Robinson. I really would not be surprised if this receiving room. I'm actually feeling a, a little bit bad now that we ranked them so low because I do like Darnell Mooney. Allen Robinson's a stud. Um, so it's gonna be a fun season, and if Dalton cannot turn the football over or fields. Woo. It's going to be fun. I think the bears future offensively has some potential for sure. Um, so unless you have anything else to add, I, I can't get my mind off of that. Uh, that double move. Holy cow. We're we about to show it. Do we have yeah. it? Yes. Sorry, podcast listeners, but Oh my God. <laughs> you got overthrown, but that was nasty. It, yeah, that was that was a really bad overthrow too. He, he overthrew that by like five, six yards, maybe more. That was bad <laughs> by Nick Foles because I think yeah. Trubisky wasn't the starter anymore. 
But yeah, that was Nick Foles threw that ball, but he 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 sunk his hips, quick feet, chopped it, and and twitched his shoulders like he was running a curl or a hitch, and then just took off and went right by Jalen Ramsey. But um, let's just say that's, we got high hopes for Demir. We got high hopes for Darnell Mooney. Yeah, then you add him with Allen Robinson. Would not be shocked at all if they if Tariq Cohen's back completely healthy. This could be a top twenty receiving room, I I think, going into next season. Um, if as long as you get Allen Robinson back, the big question is Allen Robinson coming back. Um, but I, I completely lost my train of thought. So let's just move on to this offensive line group here, which um has some question marks outside of Cody Whitehair, I think. Cody Whitehair is definitely the the star on this offensive line at center. Um Solid, solid center. He's going to be able to hold it down for you. Uh, you drafted Tevin Jenkins to play left tackle out of Oklahoma State, I believe. Um, and and he projects to be a pretty solid left tackle. Um, now you lost your other two tackles, which means Elijah Wilkinson uh, likely will sub in <laughs> at right tackle. Um, and, you know, you got question marks on what he will – and what he'll give you um, another option there at, at tackle. Um, sorry, um, another option there at tackle would be Larry Borum, um, Gunnar Vogel. You know, other draft picks. Borum was a fifth round pick this this past season, but um, let's suffice it to say the tackle position uh, is definitely question marks. You don't know how well Tevin Jenkins will play in his first year in the league. Um, I would not expect um, a, a Jedra Wills performance, Tristan Wirth's performance for him. Um, James Daniels is a solid left guard um, in terms of guard play. He is he's serviceable. Um, he's a starting caliber guard. And then uh, Jermaine Effetti likely will be the right guard starting um, for, for the Bears unless they want to go with Alex Bars which you're, you're getting replacement level guard play there too. So I wouldn't necessarily be concerned about the interior of the line if I was the Bears, but the tackle play um, will be something that Andy Dalton and Justin Fields will have to watch out for. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because the, le- the two tackle spots are the two most important. Left tackle and center especially, but, I mean, even then right tackles, it's incredibly right still up there. Like. Yeah, Um Tevin Jenkins, if anything, I think you're going to get a really, really, really strong run blocker, which, again, is only going to benefit David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, Damian Williams, Khalil Herbert, who we didn't really talk about as much, but especially with uh, Tariq Cohen out for at least probably week one or two of the season, he might get some touches. So that's going to really help. And Tevin Jenkins, he was a mauler. A mauler. I wasn't like as high as some people where like people that had him. I think our guy Brantley Wiseman we had on the show. If he wasn't his number one tackle, he might have been two or three. Like Brantley was like really, really high on Tevin Jenkins. I love Tevin Jenkins, but I thought that was a little like when you talk talk about like Penesul and uh Rashawn Slater, Rashawn Slater freaking blocking and manning and owning Chase Young. Yeah, that's where the conversation stops. But outside of that, Tevin Jenkins was a mauler run blocker. He held his own in the pass protection game as well. Um, I mean, he did get beat a couple times, 
by guys like Joseph Asai and stuff. So, you know, wondering if he'll, uh, the speed, how he'll adjust the NFL level speed and like some speed rushes off the edge. Hey, um, if he takes reps against Robert Quinn for the Bears, he'll, he'll be able to get his bill of speed. Robert Quinn is quick. Yeah. So, outside of that, yeah, I mean, right tackle is definitely a question mark. Uh, your Cody White here is definitely the best player on this offensive line. And, um, I mean, your James Daniels is fine. Uh, going into next offseason, I definitely think you would have to upgrade the rest of that right side. I think uh, – At least right tackle. At least right tackle. At least – Right. At least, or if Tevin Jenkins shows anything, you're fine. But if, if he has like three good games against solid pass rushers, it's worth another year. Like, like if he if he uh, handles his own against like I don't know Zadarius Smith at least one of the two games and like whoever else they have on their schedule. Or even we'll Rashawn Gary, if we're being honest. Yeah, uh, if he if he holds Daniel his own Hunter against in the north. What'd you say? Daniel Hunter is another example where yeah. Um, and, and you know. Yeah, so yeah. if he holds his own against those guys, you're fine, and just re upgrade that right tackle spot. Um, if somebody gets hurt on this offensive line, and there's a lot of question marks, as Warner kind of touched on earlier. So let's uh, let's wrap up this offense here. So this offense is going to actually rank 28th. So a lot of 28th for this offense. But actually, no, they're tied 27th. Maybe. Tied 27th. Let's just go there. They're tied uh, 27th or 28th or whatever, tied 28th uh, with a team that should be coming up shortly um, or not not too, too far down the line. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of room for growth going into the season. I don't think the offensive line, uh, especially Tevin Jenkins, performs well. Shouldn't be that bad. It's not going to be great, but it should be that, that bad. And then this wide receiver room, should Darnell Mooney have a breakout year, it's going to be top 20 pretty easily going into next season. Um, Matt Nagy is Matt Nagy. Not much to talk about there. So <laughs> anything else to talk about this offense, Warner? You know, I think it's going to boil down to do they rush Justin or um, yeah, do they rush Justin Fields in? Do they have solid enough line play? And does Matt Nagy blow it? Um, if Nagy can, you know, really – shine in the Andy Reid system that he came from and build this Bears offense up to at least as good as, if not better, of what they can be, then I think they project very, very favorably into the future, especially with Aaron Rodgers really only going to be in Green Bay one more season. Um, So with all that being said, I think the Bears are priming themselves well on the offensive side of the ball to win in the next two to three seasons. And it's going to really boil down to this year and what they get out of their rookie quarterback. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't have said it enough there. Um, who's your offensive team MVP? Let's start there for before we move on. You know, I want to say Allen Robinson really, really bad. I think he's going to be spectacular. Um, but I, I really think David Montgomery is also going to break out this year. He had a really, really good season last year. I think he's going to go above and beyond what he did last season, um, despite having not quite as much line uh, not quite as good line play although if he can run behind white hair and tevin jenkins then he's going to have some gaps and he's going to have some defenders on their butts 
laying on the ground watching him run over them. I think uh, Montgomery's poised for a really, really solid year. Uh, top fantasy running back, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think I'm actually going to go with the cop-out answer. I'm sorry. It, it's Allen Robinson. This offense That's fair. is like going – if this offense is going to do anything, it's going to be because of Allen Robinson. I'm sorry. I took I took the, the easy way out. But I, I mean, don't blame it, you at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, because like seriously, because what if Darnell Mooney, you know, we both have high hopes for him. What if he doesn't perform well or, you know, meet our expectations this season? Allen Robinson is literally going to have to carry the offense on his shoulders. Again. Right? Again. Which literally is, his whole career. His, his whole career, that's been Allen Robinson carrying the offense on his shoulders. At least the passing game on his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, he's used to it at this point, right? Um, he's got. So he's got to be right. He's so that guy, right? He's that guy, pal. Um, he is. He is. So yeah. So let's move on to this defense. Let's start with this run defense. This actually to come in sixth, and we actually have it ranked higher than their pass rush, right? Because really yeah. Um, so let's start with this run defense, uh, led by, you know, at, from the interior, you do have Eddie Goldman, you do have Akeem Hicks, um, and then you have freaking Khalil Mack coming off the edge. Like, <laughs> what <laughs> What more, like, can you say about this run defense? And then, um, and then for the third, for the, they, they play a 3-4, um, a so they have four linebackers. For their third interior line spot, they can either have Mario Edwards Jr. or Blayel Nichols. Um, fill in there, and they are both capable run stoppers as well. Yeah, um, I think the only question mark is Robert Quinn, as he's a smaller, more finessey edge rusher. But you have either Nichols or Edwards, and then Goldman, Akeem Hicks, and Khalil Mack, along with Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. I think you can cover up the the <laughs> the lack of of strength and and um, greediness that Robert Quinn will bring in the run game. Yeah, and then again, you have Khalil Mack coming up the edge. So I mean. <laughs> So, yeah, th- this run defense is definitely one of the better ones in the league. Um, six, it's only a few where you're like, yeah, that one's slightly better. But, yeah, this run, de- this run defense is going to be really, really good this year. This whole front seven as a whole is going to cause nightmares for opposing defenses should they stay. Every yard you get against this Bears defense, unless it comes in a big play on the, in the passing but you're still yeah. going to have to earn that because you're going to have to block for at least a few seconds against – let me run, run the names off. Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, Mari Edwards, Blaine Nichols. The list goes on and on. Yeah, and they're getting Eddie Goldman back. So they were a pretty good run defense last year, but since Eddie Goldman opted out, you didn't see the full potential of this run defense. He's that, so He's that big nose tackle. Like Kenny Clark is really, really good. Eddie Goldman is pretty close to that. I mean – yeah. So you're getting him back. Yeah, watch out. This front seven as a whole is elite. And that's going to segue into this pass rushing rank, which is slightly lower, but it still cracks our top 10 for pass rush groups. And it's almost single-handedly because of Mr. 52, Khalil Mack. Uh, They crack in 10th year. Uh, Khalil Mack is still a top five edge rusher in the league. People have some stats, so you stat boys out there. Not you, Warner. He had eight and a half sacks. 
Right. right. He only he only had this. He hasn't he gotten had... double digit sacks. Well, yeah, he's well, got a, he's got a tight end, a running back, chipping, and an offensive tackle to worry about on each and every play. Right. So if you want to go by pressures, right? Khalil Mack was in the top twenty-five of pressures. He had thirty-one pressures last season, right? If you want to go um, to hurries, like quarterback, like how many times, like they get to the quarterback a little early and force the quarterback to throw the ball quicker than intended. He ranked tenth in the league in that, right? And again, sacks are fun, right? Yeah, sacks are important. You don't want to say sacks are not important, right? But is Hassan Reddick a better edge rusher than Khalil Mack? That's a rhetorical question. Please, if you have to ask yourself that, I, I, I'd highly reconsider your uh, your football career and your football knowledge. Is uh, let's see. And and here's one here's one big thing about Khalil Mack. Yes, he hasn't had double digit sacks in the last two seasons, but when he gets to the quarterback, he he causes just habit. He's had uh, one interception in the last two seasons. He's had eight forced fumbles. He's recovered three fumbles and uh, created a safety. He has scored, I believe, what? Oh, he hasn't scored any defensive touchdowns. I thought he got one, but he's had seven passes defended, uh, and he's played every single game. So that, that just shows you when he is getting to the quarterback, he is creating turnovers. And, and Sacks are great. You can have 20 sacks, but if you create even seven turnovers in a single season off of 12 sacks or five turnovers off of eight sacks, you're doing your job and you're doing it very, very well. Yeah. Is Leonard Floyd better than Khalil Mack? No. Is Emmanuel Agba on uh, Khalil Mack's never a good God? No. Okay. Right. So, yeah, sacks are fun, right? It's impressive as heck when you look at guys. Or Daniel Hunter is going to school Mac. Still not. Right. And those are two probably top 10 edge rushers, and they're yes. still not better. In the same division, and they're still not better. They're still not better than Cleo Mack. TJ Watt is impressive, but he as impressive as his 15 sacks and 61 freaking pressures were last year. Is he definitively better than Cleo Mack? Definitively, no. Like, you can definitely, like, if you say Khalil Mack is better, I have no gripes. If you say TJ Watt's better, eh, I don't have as many. I'm definitely could understand that. I don't have any. I don't have any problems with that. TJ Watt's a beast. Khalil Mack's a beast. They're they're up there, man. They're, yeah, they're, they're the up there. The right now. And then you add in Akeem Hicks, who adds some of that pressure from the interior, and then Robert Quinn, that real speedy, finesse guy off the edge. Um, gives us a, a legit top 10 edge rushing group. And I still feel like we're underselling this edge rushing group just a and, little and bit. You can't, you can't forget that Robert Quinn, when he played for the St. Louis Rams all the way back in those St. Louis days, <laughs> he was getting like 19 sacks. I think he had two years where he was up near 20 sacks, I think 17 or 19. Uh, maybe I'm sorry, the sacks. Bears are actually knife. They're knife, my bad. But continue. Can't count. Small difference. Uh, but you – when you have Khalil Mack coming off one edge and then Robert Quinn off the other, yes, Quinn's older. He's not as good as he once was, but you give him enough man on man matches, single matchup, he's going to beat that offensive tackle above average, significantly above average. And he's going to get those one on one matchups because you have a Keen Hicks on the interior, Khalil Mack on the exterior. 
if you send a blitz, you're going to have a, a blitzing linebacker or a safety or DB coming off the edge. They're going to be virtually unblocked because, again, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, and Eddie Goldberg. Yeah, so this pass rush, this front seven, again, is elite. And if somebody gets hurt, they have some, like, replacements. Again, uh, Mario Edwards could fill in if, you know, Eddie Goldman or Akeem Hicks goes down. When you get to the edge rush, it's it's a little different because you, you just don't replace Khalil Mack or any of the top five edge rushers overnight. And, I mean, none of these guys who are really feeling too, too excited about if even if Robert Quinn goes down. So this pass road group ranks ninth, and this run defense ranks sixth. So, yeah, they're 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 pretty good. They're they're, they're okay. They're they're mad. They're fine. They're, you know, they'll they'll, be, they'll they'll be replacement level. Um, yeah, like, yeah. They're they're only top nine in both pass rush and defense and run defense. So this, average. I mean, no. average. Who knows? The yeah. offense is definitely going to have to carry the season. Oh my God! Yeah, Andy Dalton, look out for an MVP season. Yeah, are they going to be top five in voting for sure? He's going to have to be if the Bears are going to win any games. But um, yeah. <laughs> moving right. on to the linebackers. Um, this linebacker room led by Roquan Smith is going to rank 13th. Uh, Roquan Smith is an underrated or just a really solid off-ball linebacker. You compare him with Dan- Danny Trevathan, who is a veteran, experienced veteran who's fine. And Josh Woods. So, Warner, what are your thoughts on this linebacker room? Yeah, man, Roquan Smith is a one of the better young uh, inside linebackers in the in the NFL. Um, drafted in twenty seventeen, I guess the tw- or the twenty eighteen draft. Um, has played three years in the league. He has, um, you know, he he can intercept passes. He can obviously make tackles. He can. You know, rush the quarterback a little bit. He's had 11 sacks in three seasons, and for an inside linebacker, that's pretty dang good. Um, he has gotten over 100 tackles, and yes, tackles is a very, very overrated stat, but it still matters. Um, and and you know, while he had injury concerns in 2019, only played 12 games. He played all 16 in 2020. He played um, 14. He started 14 games in his rookie campaign. He's just a really, really good linebacker, and, and he's a he's a perfect guy to head this group with an already monster defensive line just to make his job easier and easier and when he he has he has his counterpart Danny Trevathan who still is a really really good pretty underrated uh, linebacker now his his um prime is past him um but eight years in the league this will be his ninth season um he's a tackling machine he hits hard he hasn't really been somewhat so productive in terms of the pass defense game. But when you have Rokon Smith, you don't really need another guy to be a ball hawk from the linebacker position. He's he's the enforcer. He's the pounder. And uh, he is going to be that guy that running backs are going to have to look out for. And uh, Devontae Adams is going to have to look for look out for on, a say, a screen pass after he's already wrapped up. Yeah, so I have nothing else to add. Spot-on analysis from Warner. Uh, A rarity there. Um, Okay, yeah, thanks for that. (laughs) All right, so let's move on to this secondary group here, which 
if there's a weakness on this defense, it's the secondary, which is still going to rank 23rd. And that's primarily because of Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson is a stud. Um, he, yeah, he. And, and his second safety to Sean Gibson isn't terrible in his own right. Gibson can hold it down. He can do his job and he can do it pretty effectively. Where you really get concerned is is the cornerbacks. We have Desmond Trufant, who uh, played for the Lions last year, former Falcon. Uh, his prime is definitely behind him. He's not as athletic, not as explosive as he once was. And um, he's going to be slotted to be the number one corner. And, and let's just face it, he's not a number one corner anymore in uh, today's NFL. There's too many big, strong, fast receivers, especially in the NFC North, that he's going to have to deal with. I mean, you, you, you've got you two talked about Go ahead. You've got Thielen and Jefferson on Minnesota. You've got um, – no more Kenny Galladay. But you've got Devontae Adams, and you got to give Mark West Valdez Scantling a little bit of credit. He can get open. I mean, he can he can he might not catch the he might not catch the day. He'll probably thing, but he'll get it. open. It's, it's like a, a 40, 60 chance he'll catch the ball. But um he, he can he can get open and, and Trufant's gonna have to be going to get up against the number ones uh for these teams. And I, I, I'm not so sure he's up for the challenge. Um, yeah. at, at the and, go ahead, go ahead. and you mentioned it earlier, the front seven in this pass rush, while it's elite, it can only carry you so far. And like when, you, even though it's elite, it'll be top, like if, if it was like if the pass rush, it was everything. Then if you had a top five pass rush, you're getting to the quarterback every play. That's not how that works, right? You need your second, your secondary is going to have to create coverage sacks if you don't know what that is that's basically where your secondary locks up their uh, the opposing receivers to where you know if they're blocking extra quarterback just, you know the five quarterback six just, quarterbacks just hanging in the pocket looking for somewhere to go and, and eventually showing somebody's for so long right so i'm not you can't really count on your secondary to do that because i mean again you're when you face minnesota their offensive line isn't one of the best but they have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen who are going to get open on Desmond Trufant and Jalen Johnson, for Christ's sakes. Green Bay, MBS, is going to look like a top 10 receiver against the secondary. Devontae Adams is going to look Devontae like... Adams is just Devontae Adams. He's going to look like Jerry Rice against his defense, right? And then when you face some of the better teams, like the team's with some of the better slot receivers. When they face Cincinnati week two, they're going to get torched by Tyler Boyd because they may have one of the worst slot corners in the league at Duke Shelley. I mean, it's going to be a nightmare when you face some of these teams that, um, you know, have elite slot receivers or just have elite receivers in general. Receivers right? that can get open quick because you mentioned the coverage sacks and they're not going to be relying on coverage sacks because, again, this pass rush ranks ninth for a reason. But – the, the defensive line isn't always going to be in the face of the quarterback. Right. It might seem so when you're watching them on Monday Night Football or whatever. It's just not going to be that way. And sometimes you're going to need your secondary to be able to lock down guys, not give up a third and long or um, you know some sort of a two-minute drill, a big play in a two-minute drill where your defensive line is starting to get tired. They've been on the field. They're going no huddle. They're rushing. And, and they're, start, they're starting to wear out a little bit. And then your, say, Desmond Trufant or Jalen Johnson gives up a big play, the receiver gets out of bounds, 
and all of a sudden they're 10 yards away from field goal range and still have two timeouts and are on the the 40 yard line possibly could score a touchdown definitely could probably probably could make a field goal um and it, it just puts you in a bad situation so you know you, your defensive your front seven can only carry you so far you're gonna it's gonna in seven in 17 games in the nfl you're going to need every single player on your roster to make at least one play the ultimate team sport. Team, i'm a basketball guy i love basketball is my favorite football is the ultimate team sport and it's like and i think it might have been a rod on the Pat McAfee show, probably the best. I, I don't want to endorse Pat McAfee right now, but it's probably the best sports like daily show it out there right now. Talking about half the time, but it's it is entertaining as ever. Yeah, so it's probably the best like daily sports talk show out there, right? I mean, unfortunately, we're not daily anymore, or like we're not consistently daily anymore. So I'm not including us in that. Otherwise, we're, it'll be we're us. not we're not going live anymore, but uh, for the time being. Yeah. Um, but I think A-Rod said it, like, you've seen times in, like, basketball where you have a dominant player, <laughs> LeBron, or even, yeah, or, or Steph, one of those years. You just saw Giannis. Giannis. You can Kevin have a dominant, uh, Kevin Durant. You can have, in baseball, Steph. dominant Steph. I just, yeah, I mentioned Steph. Okay, you, okay. Can, you can have a dominant pitcher in baseball that just lights it up. Even a baseball. I will kinda, say, I will say. Yeah, I was about to say. They only like, pitch once every five days. <laughs> and, and Yeah, so like you can have a dominant pitcher. But like for his analogy or whatever, yeah, he's right. You can have like a dominant rotation and like a great, like a great batter or whatever, right? In football, if you're left, if you're running an outside zone play, right? And you're outside zone to the right. And your right guard doesn't get his butt out there and blocks and gets to the second level, you're screwed, right? Doesn't matter how good your running back is. You might be able to make one guy miss, two guys miss, but there's always going to be more guys coming after him because he's got 11 guys chasing him on the field. Right. You can have the best dang right tackle in the lead. If your right guard doesn't do his job, you're screwed, right? So it's the ultimate team sport, and I I just want to bring that up. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I still think baseball's more of a team sport. I mean, we've seen the best player in the league, Mike Trout, at – do absolutely nothing for the Angels because they are just so frustratingly terrible. At Wait, are you are you arguing baseball is more of the ultimate team sport than football? I would say baseball is more of the ultimate team sport. It is, it is definitely close though. I think basketball is out of the right. Yeah, know. basketball. basketball I, I'm not even gonna be biased. Yeah. Wait, if we're I can't even say that, but like if we're like if it's college basketball, then it slightly has a case. If it's not Power Five college basketball, sure. So you're saying like if it's UC, because like like for example, right? Because like if it, you can't if just you have if you have a guy who is going to go in the lottery in the NBA draft, a one and done, it doesn't matter. Okay, all right. It matters. More, it matters more than in the NBA, but it still it still doesn't matter. Yeah. But. All right. So let's get you guys out of here with uh. So yeah, this defense as a whole. Uh, this defense is really, really good. Uh, it actually only ranks 13th. They could definitely outrank this, but there are a lot, a lot of really, really good defenses in the league. The secondary really holds them back. And unfortunately, the run defense, while it's elite and while we rank that their best trait defensively, it just doesn't get enough um, 
percentage points or whatever to bring them out of the gutter. Um, in the gutter, the gutter being 13th overall, which like so bad. Oh my goodness. Again, that, that 13th overall defense would never, would never be able to keep a team in the NFC championship game or stop Raheem Moser from running through 7,000 yards. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so yeah, let's let's, let's get you guys. Suffice it to say, Tom Brady would be able to win a Super Bowl on this defense, likely. Oh yeah, oh Tom Brady. Oh, they would they would have to be top ten. I forgot they would have to be top ten. Um, really quickly, just one quick thing. Uh, Warner claims it's not Packers anymore, but I think we need to celebrate that Rodgers is back at least for this year for the sake of our power rankings. Our power rankings yeah, would we be would have a read just about everything. Yeah. Because Rogers, we we like counted in Rogers playing. I actually thought about with Deshaun, like where would they be? But I still, I, I still don't think it's still be pretty low. They wouldn't be the worst team. They Deshaun, probably, Watson, Deshaun Watson. I mean, I think they'd be better than the Lions. Are probably last. Yeah, they'd be better than the Lions, probably. But maybe the I don't even know if I could say better than the Eagles. But Deshaun's that good. Yeah, Deshaun Watson is that. I mean. You're adding a top five quarterback or top six quarterback. I forget where we ranked him, but you're adding that into that offense. That I mean, it's you. It's you. Yeah. So let's get into the schedule right quick, and we'll get you guys out of here. So they start off at the Rams, Cincinnati, at Cleveland, Detroit, uh, at the Raiders, Green Bay at home, at Tampa, San Fran at home, at Pitt. Then you have your bye week, Baltimore at Detroit. Arizona at Green Bay, Minnesota at Seattle, the Giants at home, and then the end of the year at Minnesota. Because considering the last two schedules we've had to see with um, the Bengals and the Jets, yeah, this is definitely a more generous schedule. So let's look at this. The over-under is seven and a half games. So right around that, that mark, man. I mean, they, I think they, they lose to the Rams in L.A. week one. I think they beat Cincinnati at home. They probably um, lose to Cleveland in I think Cleveland. they lose to Cleveland. Uh, they're going to beat Detroit. They're probably going to beat the Raiders. That Green Bay game at home. At I think home? Close. I think it'll be close because Green Bay has confirmed that Aaron Rodgers will be there. Aaron Rodgers always kills the Bears. Um, True. But I True. Do, yeah, I yeah. Do, well, hold on. I do want to say the loss of Corey Lindsley – with Akeem mm. Hicks and Eddie Goldman being back. back, that will be a tremendous test in week, what, six for the interior of Green Bay's offensive line because Elton Jenkins can only block. You're kind of convincing me to pick Chicago. I, I think that will be a really close game. I think they lose to Tampa. They probably yeah. lose to San Francisco. I think they uh, can beat Pitt. I think they can beat Pittsburgh as well. Um, at home against Baltimore. Mm. We've been talking about that run defense, but Lamar Jackson is just that special. He – the That's gonna be a tall task for Raquan Smith. Yeah, the Raven, the Ravens' running attack is just something different that traditional run defenses won't always be able to counter. Um, and that, I think that'll be an interesting game at, at Detroit. Detroit. I think they sweep Detroit. That is getting later in the year, and I stand by what I said about Dan Campbell. I think they still win the game, but I think Fair. it's gonna be crappy, and I think. If it's Justin Fields by this point, he's going to have to earn every single yard he gets against that defense. Fair. 
Arizona, that's definitely a winnable game. Arizona always blows a game or two for <laughs> no reason. They always have like. Face like a, a, a half good defense, like really, really good half of it. But then a it's been Detroit the last two years. They, they'll just like face Detroit in a random, I think last year was like week three, a couple years ago, it's like week two or whatever. And then they, they tied the, the first year. And then last year they, they lost after beating San Fran and yeah. beating another really good team. Like, what Looking the heck? And they just blow one against the Lions. So, like, what? But yeah, that's and, definitely and a winnable game at, at home. home yeah, uh, that's, I'm, that's I'm, I'm a pick Chicago for that one. Uh, at Green Bay, I don't think they win that. I, I don't. <laughs> we, we might give them the one at home, but I don't think at Green Bay. Uh, against Minnesota at home, depends on how Kirk's looking, man, um, and that offensive line. But oh, I, think, I think they'll split. Okay, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a winnable game at Seattle. I think it's winnable. I, I think they're going to have a really hard time covering the receiving core of Seattle. True, but I mean, oh, if they're not if they're not letting Russ cook, this is later yeah. in the season. Seattle likes to be a little uh, stupid come the end of the season, so you know, I think that's a winnable game. I'm not as high, I'm not as sold on Seattle this year as some people are. At home against the Giants, I think they win that one. Um, yeah, and then at Minnesota, I don't think they, I don't think they beat Minnesota. So, so let me count mine right quick. Uh, Cincy, Detroit. That's four, five, six, seven, eight. I have them going nine and eight. I'm not confident at all about that pick. So if I was like a betting man, I wouldn't even bet this. I wouldn't wow. bet this over under. Especially uh, with you under. I, I what, I'm curious what you have their ceiling at. I have their ceiling at ten wins. I think their ceiling. I think at, at the best, they they get they get ten wins. You got you got Cincinnati, Detroit, Vegas, Green Bay once, um, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. You want you ready to be surprised? Detroit twice, Arizona. Ooh, actually, I think twelve games. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, I think I think twelve because I, I think their floor will be uh, I think their floor will be relatively high, about six or seven games. I think I think they definitely win. Six to seven, I'll say five to seven. Um, but then again, if Matt Nagy and the offense cannot get going, say Justin Fields look like looks like a bust, then they could easily win three games and have the number one overall pick. Go three and fourteen. Yeah, I think they're I think they're absolute ceiling is definitely twelve games because I'll I'll even tell you my twelve games: Cincinnati, Detroit at uh, Vegas, Green Bay at home. I would even throw San Fran maybe as a winnable game at home. Like that's like November ish, right? So like Windy City, Windy City at home. You never know. It depends on if Ayuk and Samuel and 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 not Kelsey, but uh, yeah, if it's the forty nine IRs, they're definitely gonna win. But (laughs) uh, Pittsburgh, I think that's definitely a winnable game. We we should get to Pittsburgh soon on these rankings. Uh, I don't think Baltimore they're gonna beat them, but Detroit, both Detroit games are winnable. Arizona is winnable. Uh, Minnesota, both Minnesotas are technically winnable. And then, actually, I think after the, that uh, road Green Bay game, they could. There's this universe where I think they win four straight to end the year because I'm not as high on Seattle this year. I don't get where all the credit for Seattle's going from. Yeah, they have Russell Wilson, but they pretty much neglect Russ and DK, but in Tyler, don't disrespect Tyler, but they've neglected the offensive line. Their pass rush is crap. 
<laughs> so it is what it is. So uh, they lost their number one corner. Bobby, yeah. Wagner, Bobby Wagner can only take you so far. Yeah. Um. Any who's your defensive MVP and Will any Mack. closing remarks? Yeah. Will Mack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Show over. I don't know why I asked you that. Okay, so is team MVP Khalil Mack or is there anybody else in the running? Oh man. Um. I chose David Montgomery for offensive MVP. I'm gonna choose Allen Robinson for team MVP because he does deserve some love. Bro, what? <laughs> And I, uh, I don't feel like you've earned to say <laughs> Allen Robinson. You picked David Montgomery. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, okay, but okay. I think you got to give it to Khalil Mack, man. He's just so so obviously the best player on this roster. Yeah. Allen Robinson is a beast. I think Montgomery goes off, but still Khalil Mack. Yeah, and really quickly, I want to uh, add on something really quickly. Even though the Bears are twenty six, and we and we said their upside and potential was between like nine and twelve wins, this ranking is not like we're not. The record is not heavily impacting the ranking. The ranking is based off the roster talent and how we feel about this team going into the season, right? So like projecting schedule, season strengths, and past trends of coaching, really. Yeah. So like the Jet. <laughs> we will one see the, you next time. Right. Just going to end it there. But one of these teams that come up next or whatever, they could be six wins. Like, that could be the projected record. But we still feel strongly that they have a better roster going into the season than the Chicago Bears. This, this isn't going to be the end of season standings. This is preseason roster who has the best roster yeah yeah right so yeah i definitely power ranking like the power of the roster and what it brings if you get if you get screwed over on scheduling man you just have to wait for next year yeah uh i definitely did not just spoil who's 24 so that's gonna wrap up what'd you say oh for sure you didn't didn't. yeah for sure i didn't that's gonna wrap up today's power rankings episode if you guys uh Go over to NFLSapien.com after the release of the number 24 team. Uh, we will have an article on NFLSapien.com where we, instead of doing one for every team, I'm a little lazy. So I'm just going to do like a little segment piece where I like to do each team, like 32 to 24, their biggest strength and their biggest weakness for 32 to 24. That'll be on NFLSapien.com. So go over to check them out. Um, Anything else, morning, you can wrap it up because if it was up to me, we'd be here for another hour. That is very, very true. Thank you all so much for watching. Be sure to follow us at uh, Sports Headline 8 on Twitter. Um, we are under the Sports Headlines podcast on YouTube. Um, depending on where you're listening now on podcasting platforms, we're on all the other ones as well. Uh, if those suit you more conveniently, um, but be on the lookout for. Um, the rest of these teams get pumped out and, and live shows and start back. So we appreciate your viewership, your listenership, and uh, have a great rest of your day.